Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. This week, back for another episode as we go back to 1991 and we live in hysteria. But before we get there, Chris, how are you, my man? Very good, very good. I just had a very uh, delicious bagel with um, uh, a nice scrambled egg and some melted cheddar cheese and a little bit of cream cheese. So uh, my day is Welcome back to the cooking exchange. Yeah, my day starting off well. I got my cup of coffee, and I'm ready to talk about early 90s German power metal, as if I wouldn't have been ready any other time. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Right in your wheelhouse, I know. Um, But a band that I don't think you might have had much familiarity with uh, before this. But before we get there, a lot of new stuff came out this week. Did you have a chance to check any of it out? Lots of it. Um, It it just started out like singles galore, and then they just kept coming. Um, This one was a little bittersweet for me because it was Brothers of Metal who just recently announced that they could not attend Prog Power this year, but they released a new single called The Other Son of Odin. Um, Alestorm released a new single called Magellan's Expedition, which is um, pretty much what you would expect from Alestorm. Um, I, I, I don't know that I'm going to sit here and name all of these because we'll be here all day, but um, I'll just name a couple more. Um, Serenity released a new single called In the Name of Scotland, which, um, I, you know, I love anything that that they do. And um, and Yanni Limatayan released uh, his second single from his upcoming My Father's Son album, and this song is uh, Into the Fray, and it has uh, Timo Cotipelto on guest vocals. So I mean, it's you know basically a Kane's offering song, but um, awesome. definitely worth listening to. And uh, also, um, Seven Kingdoms just dropped a new single, I believe, yesterday called Universal Terrestrial. That one I haven't had a chance to listen to yet, but. Um, that's coming from their upcoming album Zenith, and uh, I have to say I, I was really impressed with them the last time I saw them live. I think that they're really, you know, an up and coming uh, U.S. power metal band. Um, funny that we would just, uh, you know, spend a week talking about Judicator, another U.S. power metal band. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, and I guess while we're in that. Area, I mentioned uh, Lords of the Trident have a new album called The Offering, which um, I just grabbed yesterday, and I am really looking forward to listening. I've only I only have a couple of their songs from like random um, prog power samplers through the years, um, but you know their their um, I I've, I think it's their singer is the um, he's kind of the he- the the brains behind the um, the uh, what is it the power. Um, that festival in Wisconsin, uh, the Mad with Power Fest. Um, yes, yes. I think they're always on the lineup as a result, right? They're, they usually play that, uh, you know, right. because of the time. So I, I saw a couple mutual friends um, really praising their new album, so I decided to just uh, blindly buy it on iTunes, and I'll probably give it a listen this week. But, um, yeah, that's that's uh, that, that's what uh, came through. I, I, have you had a chance to listen to I, – I saw a new creator single came through. Um, yeah, they are yeah. they are so consistently good. This was I, I think it's funny they <laughs> as someone sent me in a group chat the other day. They've been writing the same song for forty years and they should never change because like they're just so good like at what they do. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to the album. The single was very very good. Um, just you know, it, it's funny. I did not have a chance to listen to most of the uh, most of the items that you had mentioned for whatever reason. It was just a little bit of a hectic week, uh, you know, on the home front. But uh, just uh, a lot of lot, it seems like a lot of 
bands are kind of putting out stuff for, for gearing up for either spring or early summer releases. So it should make for a very, very fun couple of months. Yeah, Civil War dropped a new single too. I mean, I guess I ended up naming everything anyway. Um, but yeah, they have a new uh, they have a new single called Invaders, and um, I, I've been a big fan of them, um, especially the last couple of albums that they were. Um, a couple of the members of Sabaton when Sabaton had that big uh, split a few years back. Um, a couple of the the members that left started Civil War, and I, I was a big fan of. Um, when um, I, I, I'm going to forget his name was the, the vocalist, I was really disappointed to find out that he um, that he had left the band. Uh, I mean, I'm looking it up right now, so I don't uh, do it the, any injustice. Nils Patrick Johansson, um, his his vocals are so unique, um, and I think I first was made aware of him from his work with Wuthering Heights, but he also had a solo album a few years ago and was singer for astral doors. Um, just nobody sounds like him. It, it's a, such a unique style. And I thought he was such a good fit with civil war, but um, I, their new singer, I think is kind of in that vein and uh, Kelly's sundown carpenter. Um, and I think that, you know, he fits the, he fits the, the sound really well as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, the, the new stuff. So, yeah, so, I, I loved his vocals. I just named everyone. <laughs> I, I I actually loved Kelly Carpenter's vocals on the one Beyond Twilight album that he was on. I, uh, he was a really really nice guy and a very very uh, unique uh, vocal vocalist. Really, I, I guess his 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 the way he sings is is kind of uh, very intense but very melodic yet at the same time. So uh, I'll be checking that out as well. I I was not the biggest fan of the first couple of Civil War albums, but I'll, I'm going to give this one a shot just the same. Yeah, I think it was their whatever their last one was that they did with um, with Nils. Um, I think it was the last full measure, um, and it had songs like Tombstone, and um, I, I thought that was really great. I, I enjoyed that a lot. There was a lot of uh, a lot of fun songs on there, and that was that was really good. That's why I was disappointed to hear that he had left the band after they released such a, a strong album, and th- that was their last full-length release and that came out six years ago so they're definitely due i totally totally hear you and uh another band that's been due for quite some time is is heaven's gate and i'll I'll tell you a little bit about why i chose this believe it or not this album actually was released 31 years ago um last week so it's actually a little bit timely in in that sense a little bit of an anniversary like i said what's crazy to me though is this was a band that like for me i remember buying this album used at uh mr cheapo's we i went into the store it would be like my monthly pilgrimage to the store they had stacks and stacks of used cds and for whatever reason the cover kind of caught my eye with the dragon smoking a pipe on the front i don't know there was something about the cover art that and the font to be honest with you that just had me curious and i had a feeling it was going to sound like german power metal and this was Obviously, the days before you could just pull out your cell phone and just Google to find out what the you know what, what a band was all about. So I cooked, this was a complete blind purchase for me, but it was an album that I, I played for quite a while. Um, something about them, though, when I bought the disc, I remember enjoying it and I played it straight through a number of times. But going back to like that first listen, which has got to be for me, uh, well over twenty years ago now, the, the it was the first track, the title track. 
that was kind of the hook for me. And then the rest of the disc was kind of there. But I actually had a very different experience this time because a lot of the other tracks are much stronger than I remembered them being back in the day. Uh, but before I before we dive deep into to the album itself, was this like your first full exposure to the band? I, I don't think you would. I know you never heard the album before. Um, I, I'd never really listened to like a full Heaven's Gate album i've heard songs um here and there and i was like aware of them and i was aware that they were this uh german power metal band that kind of kind of faded out before the turn of the century um and uh i had i think the very first song i probably heard by them was their cover of halloween's a little time which was on the keepers of jericho um tribute album that came out in 2000 and that might have been one of the last studio offerings the band ever put out because their last full-length album had come out in 1999 so so yeah this was really kind of like the first time listening to a, an album kind of start to finish that this was i guess their their second full-length album um i guess there there was an ep in between um this and their debut album in control which came out in 1989 but uh yeah i ended up enjoying this a lot um and, and it wasn't like one of those slow builders for me like i liked it right away it's surprisingly catchy and i think accessible it's something that you can kind of just immediately listen to and it's not that there's a ton to digest here so i think that definitely helps the band's even though the band really, I guess, is credited with coming together in, I guess, 1989 or something like that, a number of the guys, specifically uh, Thorsten Muller, the drummer, and I think um, the singer Thomas Reckie, who I'll, I'll talk about a little bit more uh, later on, the two of them were actually in a band called Steel Tower, and they started back in the early in the, in the early 80s. And then ultimately, after, I think, putting out an album or two under that moniker, they then switched uh, to, to Kevin to Heaven's Gate back in uh, 89. I think the name change was a couple of years before that. But for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know why, they kind of retooled their sound, retooled the image, changed the name of the band, and then they were off and, off and running. Uh, but it's, you know, the, if you think about it, when they were hitting their stride, if you will, in 1989, this was like right at the heyday of German power metal with like those early Halloween albums and Blind Guardian was, you know, doing their thing or whatever. So these guys were really their contemporaries, but unlike those other bands, they never made it like at all. I mean, yeah, they would obviously come, you know, and, and stay around for another 10 years or so, but they never achieved the same notoriety as, as some of these other bands. And I guess the question I have is why? Um, certainly a little bit different, maybe not as, as good in certain respects, uh, but you know, this is a really solid album, and I'm a little surprised that, uh, you know, they never really kind of gained more traction, especially as the genre kind of ballooned in the in the mid to late 90s with, like, Stradivarius and Anger and all these other bands that were putting out, like, magnificent releases. And another interesting thing, too, is that everyone in the band at the time this album was released, with the exception of one guy, um, didn't do anything after the 90s, like, just, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything in metal. Um, so the uh, the one outlier being Sasha Payeth, who, you know, is like the uber, uh, you know, uber producer and guitarist for Avantasia. And, um, and Miro makes an appearance on this album um, playing piano on The Best Days of My Life, which is the... Uh, the the ballad of the album um and he's now um i believe a touring member with 
Avantasia and, and I think has been on their last handful of albums. Um, so there's a little bit of that Avantasia connection, but the rest of the band just kind of disappeared. And, and the one that really surprised me was Th- Thomas Recchi, the vocalist, because his, his vocals are awesome. And the only See, thing I could think of that, that to answer your, your question is maybe this band just had, they started maybe like, I don't know, a couple years earlier, but I mean, they were, they're only two, you know, they're only three, four years at, you know, later than Halloween. So I don't know, maybe there was just a glut of, of power metal at that time. But um, I feel like this would have been, this would have been really, um, I think this would have been really pal- palatable to the, to the, the hard rock, heavy metal, like hair metal, 80s radio sound that was going on a, a few years prior. Um, so I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to say, but I guess not every band can, can be Stradivarius and Blind Guardian and Angra, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny. Thomas Redke is interesting. I, because when I first heard the album and it certainly didn't change my opinion this week, I love his vocals and he's kind of an understated guy insofar as he sounds great, but he did a lot of session work with a ton of bands, but he doesn't really get the credit or the name recognition that a lot of his peers did. Uh, just by way of um, like just reference, he did backing vocals on Avantasia, Beyond the Bridge, Camelot, Luca Turilli solo albums, Mob Rules, Rhapsody, uh, running wild. I mean, he just, he, he, it goes on and on, but he, and I'm is, guessing these are, I'm guessing these are all albums that were produced by Sasha. So I'm wondering if yeah. he's kind of like one of Sasha's, uh, yeah, like one of his studio guys for backing vocals and stuff. Cause that's interesting. I mean, you never really know who any of the, the backing, vo- but I've seen funny things where like you look at a guy's, you know, page of, of credits and it's like, somebody that you know really well is did like backing vocals during Stradivarius's recording of Babylon or something like that. Right, 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 right. Your land was there that day. I mean, like just (laughs) like random things like that. It's interesting. Yeah. And he came out with one other album. Ironically, the name of the band was called Red Key, not Red Key, but obviously there's the connection there. It was an album that came out in 2006. I believe it was called Rage of Fire. Uh, a little bit of a nondescript album. I actually own it, but it's, I don't know. It, it, I, I think the Heaven's Gate material was better. That was kind of a one and done, although they're theoretically still active, but they haven't recorded anything in over 15 years. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that I think the, the, the main player here would be somebody who would gain fame and notoriety, but not for his guitar playing, but for his, you know, ma- mastering and mixing and production work. Obviously, a great songwriter, no, no question about it. But never really got the, the 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 recognition, I guess, for 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 this band. It was everything that came after it. But what you can say is this album sounds really good. And so, obviously, whatever gift he's been given for his ability to to kind of lay down tracks, it started here. And for an older album, I think that sonically, it's quite quite good and holds up well. Despite the da- it sounds a little dated because of the music, but not because of the production. Agreed. I I I don't think I actually gave the production a second thought, which I I think is a compliment in and of itself. Because um, typically, an album that from 1991, especially a band's like second outing, might not be so great. And 
I never really even thought about it, which I think is, you know, like I said, that's probably a good thing just because it just, it, it didn't serve as a distraction like it can at times. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's get into it. Like I said, April 2nd, 1991, clocks in at just under 45 minutes, 10 tracks. Uh, uh, unlike some other albums at the time, no introduction. They go right into it full blast with the title track. Um, and as I said, go, going back, this was probably my favorite track hands down, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, and then everything else was just kind of there. Different experience this time, but obviously the, the German power metal is really, really strong here. And I have to be honest, I hear, I hear some pretty maids in there as well. Uh, you know, that early pretty maid sound, which obviously we're both, you know, fans of. I love, I think, I think the vocals really stand out here. It's so catchy. Um, there's the one thing I don't quite understand, and I'd love to hear your comments on this. There's this bridge that still confuses me on this song because it's almost like a bluesy doo-wop thing going on. And then they go right back into the heavy metal. Despite that fantastic track and really just like a, a, a classic, I think heaven's gate song, um, just a really, really, really catchy tune. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that bridge like that you mentioned, especially kind of gave me pretty maids vibes. Um, something about it it's just kind of like who nobody's doing this <laughs> so right. i like that they just are like let's just throw this in there it's 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 cool it's um unique um so yeah i mean and it's cool because it's like the first track they're just like let's just like let's be experimental or whatever like right from the get-go um th- my first thought was that like the vocals reminded me of kind of like an ingvave vocalist around this time i don't know which but like i feel like he would have fit right in in ingve's band um for one album before he would be unceremoniously released from his duties but um (laughs) like i think he would have been a good fit for that um and and i mean that positively because ingve until he decided to start singing himself had some of the greatest you know metal vocalists ever um so yeah and then like it kind of, you know, you get your, after that little bridge, you get your classic, like, dual power metal guitar thing that, you know, Halloween had mastered just a few years prior. And, uh, yeah, great opening track. I mean, I think it just gets you, um, kind of gives you an idea of what to, what to expect going forward. And I could kind of see why that was the one that stuck in your craw, I guess, um, when you first heard the album, because, like, when it's your very first introduction to the band, it's kind of like, oh, this is what we're that. I feel like that's going to be the most memorable one for you. So, um, yeah, good stuff, good start. And and it's really two for two. The second track is called "We ha- uh, We Got the Time." Uh, it, it's there's a really really catchy chorus on this song, and it's well put together. I am a, a big fan of this one, and it's one of these like galloping numbers, which I know we often talk about, but this is a really good one-two punch to start the album. Um, there's one particular note just before the instrumental section that Retke hits, and for a guy who typically sings in a little bit of a lower register, he can go high, and he does it really well on this particular track. Um, this is another really, really good song, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one. I could just like picture this as like the kind of album a dragon would just hang out smoking a pipe 
would listen to. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, very it's fitting, chill, obviously. Yeah, just ate a couple villagers, gonna chill out now, have a pipe, you know. Uh, I, lo- I again, this album cover with the with like the the slave like <laughs> sweeping up the the skull and, and the dragons like top of his tower. This is such a great album cover, especially for somebody like me who loves. Um, you know RPGs and stuff. This is like this straight. Is why out of I bought, this is why I bought the album because I saw this cover. I'm like, I have to hear this. <laughs> and again, I at the time I had never even heard of them, let alone you know heard a note from them. Um, but unfortunately for me, not every song is 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 a hit on this thing. And of the ten, there's about three of them that I don't really care for. And the first of those is the never ending fire track. Number three, I do not like this track. Uh, before I kind of get into it, any thoughts on this one? Because to me, this is like a clear nod to Manowar. Oh yeah, no doubt. It's the first thing I thought of, um, that kind of deliberate mid paced tempo. Um, I don't think I disliked it as much as you did. Um, I think it kind of, it kind of, cause this is, we talk a lot about like the, um, the ongoing tempo of an album, and this is an album where I think it um, it comes in it comes in waves. Um, there's a there's a ballad that towards the end. Um, the first two songs were pretty fast, so this one kind of brings it back to kind of a middle, a mid paced uh, gate, if you will. It's it's probably I don't know. It's the second longest al- song on the album. It's not my favorite. I think the um, the chorus kind of has that. Um, like early nineties rock anthem kind of feel to it. Um, but definitely Manowar esque. Um, I like the song. There weren't any songs I disliked. Um, definitely songs I liked more than others, but, um, this is probably on the lower end, but I did still enjoy it. The spoken word intro really just throws me off. I like, once that started, I was ready to skip to the next track because they never got me back after that. But it has this like slow, mid-paced anthemic march is like kind of the best way I would describe it. But And if that's what they're going for or if they were going for that nod to Manowar, they hit a home run. Unfortunately, it just does, doesn't really resonate with me. Whereas the, the next track, uh, Empty Way to Nowhere, kind of picks up the pace a little bit. And this one I like. It's a kind of a simple song. And there's actually elements of that track that remind me of uh, A Little Time by Halloween, ironically enough, which you spoke about earlier. This is a tune that I probably enjoy more than I should, but for some reason I think it's really catchy. You're allowed. It's okay. I'm going <laughs> to let you. Give me a pass. Um, yeah, yeah, you're allowed. Um, this is like another one that I thought – Man, this this would have I feel like this would have been like a, a radio hit in like nineteen eighty five or eighty six or something. It's it's just got that really catchy kind of um faster paced tune like sound to it and um it's got again like the chorus kinda has that um kind of an anthemic kind of feel to it, like arena rock kind of thing. Um yeah, another another good faster uh, paced song. Um I think you uh pretty much hit the the nail on the head um it, it's like whenever bands talk about like rock or rocking or stuff i find that it's a little bit cheesy um or but, metal it's like when gamma ray starts doing heavy metal universe i cringe like not a terrible song but like the lyrics just take me out of the moment so if, if it's about and, and again, rocking speaking speaking of man of war that's like that was like gamma ray's ode to man of war i always felt exactly like. Oh, a hundred percent. No, no question about it. And and for whatever reason, when the bands try to do that, 
it loses me. I'd rather just, I mean, I'd rather just listen to Manowar at that point, if I'm going to go with that style, because they are definitely the masters of, of, of that for better or for worse. Yeah, um, leave the, leave the, the cheese to the masters of cheese, you know? And, and they, they do it better, better than anyone. The, the fifth track, which is kind of like the end of side one is a, is an instrumental tune, a short little tune called Fredless, which I thought was interesting. And I, I was wondering where the name came up with, you know, where they came up with Fredless. Apparently, and I didn't realize this, Thomas Recky's nickname in the band was Fred. And so they made an instrumental track, Fredless, which I thought was kind of cute when I put the pieces together. Um, a good little tune, I have to say, and it, it's I completely forgot about this track. I don't even remember hearing this. It was like I was listening to it for the first time, but it's like a really cool way to end side one, and it really kind of just shows everybody's talent. Yeah, you know, just your uh, run-of-the-mill, you know, if you went to a power metal concert in 1991 and the singer went off to go smoke a cigarette or whatever it is singers do during these things. Um, you know, <laughs> the drummer's drumming and the bassist is basing and the guitarist is guitaring. And, um, it's kind of a little bit of a showcase of what everybody in the band could do. And it gives the singer a little chance to rest the old, uh, voice box. Um, but yeah, like this is just, you know, pretty much, what you would expect a uh, a two minute power metal instrumental to sound like, um, and that's I, I thought it was funny that you said that. I was going to say it would have been clever if the band the band singer's name was Fred, but uh, sure enough, it was close so. enough. Close exactly. So uh, it, it makes sense when you put, finally put the put the pieces together. Uh, track six or side B of the album starts with a, a another kind of arena rock type tune called "Can't Stop Rocking." You can imagine what the lyrics on, on this one are about. Again, it takes me out of a little bit with, with, with what, what's going on here, I guess. They pipe in the crowd noise. I mean, like this is, this is the cheese is on full display here. And, and in many ways, it's another kind of nod to Man of War. Um, I don't care for this track. I do enjoy it more than um, The Neverending Fire. I don't know that I would have started the second side of the album, especially with like a record. I don't know that I would have started it with this track. I think the next track, Flashes, actually is a pro- probably would have been a better start to the album side. But I'll, I'll I'll take your thoughts. I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what band it's reminding me of with that um that like back the backing vocals in the chorus that that can't stop rocking. I don't know if it's like a like a Def Leppard or something in that era. Um, But again, I feel like it's like one of those, um, I could picture the music video in a, in a abandoned warehouse with like a lot of fog and giant fans blowing all the long hair everywhere. Um, It probably a song that probably comes off better live if I had to guess, but again, it's a little bit, yeah, a little bit man of war ish. Um, But uh, again, not bad. Like I feel like, I'm glad you mentioned the never ending fire. Cause I feel like it kind of, I kind of lumped it in with that one where it's kind of like one, like they're two of the longer tracks on the album. Um, and they're like kind of the same tempo and it kind of the same style where it's trying to be like, like an arena anthem type of song. Like I'm sure in their minds, they're like, you know, 20,000 people raising their fists in the air, screaming, can't stop rocking at the same time so that they don't have to play the, <laughs> the backing track. They could just let the fans do the work. I'm sure that was the the visual when the band was releasing the song. But I mean, 
it's fine. Like I, I, I think ten tracks of, of living hysteria style songs would have just made the album kind of boring. Um, and this, I think, I like that. There's different. Um, you know, you have a couple of these mid tempo tracks. You have a two minute instrumental. You have a ballad. Um, so I, I kind of liked that it um, was varied and not not a kind of a one note album. And and it's funny because even though there's obviously the nod to the to the German power metal, which you know was clearly an influence. This was this track in particular was very reminiscent of the hair bands, right? With just like, again, the big arena rock sound or what have you. You mentioned Def Leppard. I think that, that that's like a very apt um, analogy or comparison, but it's, there's something about this where it was almost like they were trying to kind of find their groove or their style because they were borrowing things from, from a lot of different like genres of rock. So it was interesting. But to me, I think flashes is a better, track it's shorter but it's more upbeat it's got some awesome bass lines and this to me is like a real power metal anthem it just has this awesome riff and the drumming is kind of like holds everything together from having a train go off the tracks i really like this and it has a it has a bass solo of all things which is kind of cool uh and one of the better guitar solos on the entire album i I like this track a lot yeah the 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 chorus is awesome. Um, the the guitar, um, that fast guitar work reminds me a lot of like early Gamma Ray. And I have to say, like, I wonder how much German power metal is really an influence on this album. Because, I mean, how much German power metal is there in 1991? Like, you know, you got Halloween and Blind Guardian and, and Gamma Ray, like, literally just starting. Um I'd like to think that, that that this might be actually more of an inspiration for other German power metal bands because, mm. you know, there's no Ed guy yet or, or, or anything like that. So, I mean, it's interesting. Like, these guys are definitely, like, the forerunners of that era, or one of the forerunners, I should say. So, because, I mean, nothing on here really screams, like... Halloween like ripoff or gamma ray ripoff or, or blind guardian ripoff. It's definitely like it's it's got its own style. A lot of like you said, a lot of mixtures. There's Ingve and Pretty Maids and Manowar and and God knows if any of those bands even influenced them. It just happened to sound that way because you know a lot of those, these bands were just kind of getting their their start. I mean, even just even those older bands like Manowar and Ingve and Pretty Maids have only been around for you know, eight, nine, 10 years, maybe at this point. So it's very interesting. Um, when you listen to a band, you know, like Judicator, like last week we were talking about a band, you know, an album that came out seven years ago. There's so much more metal history to draw on as far as what could be the influence. Whereas this is just kind of like in kind of power metals early days. So, um, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a tangent there, but yeah, um, I I like this song. It's just it's fast. It's it's it just it rocks. Um, it's catchy. Has a great, great like just classic power metal kind of chorus. Um, I like this one a lot. Yeah, I I completely agree. And it's funny because neither one of us have talked about our tracks of the week yet. So I'm starting to wonder if we're venturing into the same area there but before we get to uh the last two tracks on the album this is the 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 eighth track is best days of my life the ballad that you had mentioned earlier uh with miro on on piano uh you know doing his guest spot this is the band's true ballad 
it's kind of simple. It's, it's not nearly as good as the conception ballads that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, but it, it, it definitely has its place on the album. Uh, it, it's kind of a bridge song. And by that, I mean, it's, it's a good way to kind of mix up flashes and the last two tracks, which are really heavy rockers or what have you. Um, what do you think of the ballad? It's good. I, I think, um, it's interesting hearing, uh, Retke kind of do more of a lower register, whereas like a lot of the album up to this point is really like kind of high, higher notes. And so this mm-hmm. is kind of like, you know, listen to my lower emotional voice. Um, a more soulful tune, if you will. Yeah. I, I thought like the, the layered vocals in the chorus almost kind of had like a Queensryche vibe to them. Um, nice. Yeah, like I just uh, maybe not Queensrÿche per se, but it reminded me of like the layered Jeff Tate vocals in in Queensrÿche. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, longest track on the album, so maybe it didn't need to be that long at almost six minutes. But um, I, I could see it being kind of like their. I mean, granted, I'm no expert on their discography, but I could kind of see this being like their quintessential, you know, power ballad in concert or whatever. Um, I'm, God, I don't even know if this band like toured or anything. I'm guessing they did. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I think it's also well placed because like you said, I think the last two tracks on the album were probably my two favorite songs on Me the album. Too. Which I, I always yeah, enjoy I... when a band saves the best for last and we talk about track order all the time and I think maybe other than flashes and can't stop rocking, maybe being flipped. I think the track order in general is really good on this album, but um, yeah, the last two songs really kick, kick ass. And I, I had, I think both of them stuck in my head at different points throughout the week. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I'm so, I, we are in complete agreement. Both of them could easily be my song of the week. I, I, they these were the two tracks that popped the hardest for me um going in with the preconceived notion that the the title track was going to be my favorite i walked away with these two like just kind of blowing everything else out of the water and and again three or maybe two three four tracks that i didn't love maybe five or six tracks that i really enjoyed but these two these two we wanted all and gate of heaven are really at the top of the heap uh i guess we'll we'll break them down we'll do we want it all first this is just like a really fun guitar driven like tune uh it has like a dock and hair metal vibe to it but not in the That's cheesy not way that did but not in the cheesy way that like the other tracks kind of had this was like tastefully done uh and the chorus has been stuck in my head all week long i love this track but i'm gonna it's not gonna be my track of the week i'm gonna give it to gate of heaven but i'm curious for your thoughts uh, it's like a, the tasteful nudity of a playboy magazine um <laughs> that's really in, well said <laughs> the je ne sais quoi um, shout out to Brian um, yeah another one of those songs that I feel like would have been a real great live track with the fans chanting we want it all like just um, really just another like cool anthemic catchy song but I think better than the ones that preceded it on this album um, but uh, yeah Gate of Heaven is my track of the week as well so there you nice. go
Yeah, what a what a fantastic way to end this album. Um, it, it, this is a, just a fast power metal tune. I almost hear, and, and this is obviously a band that would come later on, but I almost hear like Skylark at points of this track. And I have to wonder, they came out with a, a, a couple of albums. I think they were entitled like Gates of Heaven or something like that. I have to wonder if it was inspired by this track specifically. Um, fantastic vocals, has a bit of an Ingve vibe in, in certain spots. And the bridge section is completely like Keeper 2 Halloween, which is fantastic. I'm sorry, not Keeper 2. I, I Forgive me. I like it more of like Halloween. I, I hear like right through this, like Halloween's Halloween from Keeper 1. Uh, just a really, really awesome track. A lot, it's a meaty track. And by that, there's a lot going on here for a track that's under five minutes. They kind of go in all different directions, almost proggy in that sense, but just a fantastic closing tune, like one of the best. I, one of the days this week, I um was, I was just finishing up listening to this album right before I went to go make dinner. And I was just cooking dinner and I just had the chorus just repeating in my head. And I was like, then I was like, I tried to get my, I home pod to play it and it didn't, I, I didn't recognize the album and I didn't feel like going to, through hoops to play it. But, um, every time I looked forward to it, every time I put the album on and even this morning I woke up with it stuck in my head because it's just such a, the whole song is just so catchy start to finish. Um, and it's, I just love, like, I love when a song or an album just finishes with its, its strongest track. So it really just leaves you wanting more at the end. And, and that's what this, this song did. And, uh, you know, there were certain parts in this album I, I just wanted to mention that reminded me a little bit of, of what Primal Fear would sound like at a certain point. I just it didn't pop into my head specifically at any point during our discussion, but I did want to bring that up as well because that would be a, another German power metal band that would get started maybe you know six seven years after this. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, the I just love the 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 tempo and the speed of, of the song like just all of it it's just so vintage um you know early 90s power like german power metal just really good stuff all around great track yeah yeah totally uh it's uh really 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 enjoyable and i'm glad you liked it because i had a feeling when i checked when i selected it i thought you might kind of like this a lot so I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it uh i'll just say scale of one to ten for me i'm going to give it a seven not the greatest album i've ever heard there's some duds on here and, and i i kind of docked one point for each of the duds but there's like seven by, by and large seven really good tracks on this some better than others but you know highly enjoyable for me it's a it's a it's a solid seven this is a good album yeah, I, I I rated it a, a bit higher. I thought it was like a seven point seven five for me, um, just shy of an eight. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I have a feeling this is going to be one of those albums that I think is going to grow with me in time, even though it's already thirty one years old. Um, but I think that like <laughs> it's something I'll go back to and yeah, exactly. But I'll I'll like go back to listening to it. And I think I'll start to develop the nostalgia that I didn't have for the first 31 years of its existence. There you go. I, I like it. And uh, I feel like it's been an eternity since you've selected an album for us to, for, to listen to. But before we get there, some news items and, and we'll stay in Germany uh, because Angel Dust, uh, one of their founding members, unfortunately passed away 
earlier this week. His name was Frank Bankowski. He was their founding member and bass player. And, uh, you know, for not, not so much power metal, they were more of like a speedy and a thrashy band and then kind of changed their sound when they got back together in the late nineties. Uh, but, uh, just wanted to announce the, uh, the passing of, of, of Mr. Bankowski, uh, who apparently this was put up on their Facebook page earlier this week that, that, uh, he, that he had, you know, passed, which was obviously sad news. Uh, and then some crazy news that I never, ever, ever thought I would say. Uh, Dream Theater has won a Grammy Award, which is uh, still shocking to me. They had been nominated twice before, but they actually took home the Grammy for Best Metal Performance with The Alien. And quite frankly, it is deserved because, uh, you know, say what you will, and obviously we've joked about Labrie at times on this show and whatnot, but these guys are just such like stalwarts and and such, uh, you know, the music is just so good and the studio stuff is so fantastic. Uh, it, it is nice to see them recognized for, say what you will about the Grammys, it was nice to see them recognized for, uh, you know, essentially for their lifetime achievement by winning this Grammy, finally. Yeah, it's kind of, it's almost like a gold watch, um, just in the sense that, like, you know, they're... I mean, they're probably going to go down as like the most well-known progressive metal band of all time. Um, you know, maybe if you, depending on if you lump Queensryche into that conversation or whatever, I mean, as far as like straight up progressive metal dream theater is what I think people think of. And uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's, I laughed because it was probably one of my least favorite songs on their newest album, which I enjoyed quite a bit. I enjoyed their new album a lot. I just thought that that wasn't one of the stronger songs on the album, but I guess it was a single, so that's probably why it was chosen. That's what it was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just funny because uh, on a strong album, again, probably not my favorite track, but also the single, the first one that I heard, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, they've got the hardware now, so um, kudos to them and well-deserved for, uh, you know, for for, for many reasons. Next stop, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 38 years from now. Maybe Iron Maiden <laughs> will be in there by then. That is the biggest travesty of them all. I don't, I could talk about well, that. The monkeys aren't in there either. So it's, 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 it's a joke, but yet you have what? Like, aren't there like rappers in there now and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I love that. Um, Dolly Parton, like, bowed out like she was nominated and she's like i don't feel like i deserve to be in this i'm like man there isn't anything not to like about dolly parton she rocks she is like, a treasure. that, yeah. that yeah, makes her I mean, like even more rock and roll that she said no <laughs> yeah she basically told they to hold the hall of fame fuck off i mean like it's, it's wild you, you can't make it up but um dying to know what i'm listening to next week so lay it on me brother yeah well um it's kind of in the same uh, vein of my last choice, which was when we listened to all of, of Conception's discography because they're headlining Prog Power. Well, we're going to do the entire discography of the other band that's headlining Prog Power, Turley Leone Rhapsody. They only have one album, so it should be pretty easy for you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I wanted to listen to Zero Gravity, Rebirth, and Evolution, um, mostly because... I didn't listen to it that much when it first came out. I'm looking at it, and I think I only maybe listened to the album start to finish one time, even though I listened to a handful of tracks a lot, like Phoenix Rising and DNA and Zero Gravity. Um, and I just felt like I really would kind of wanted to bone up on this album before seeing them 
uh, headline at Prague Power, and I assume they're going to play a, a, a you know a decent amount of tracks from this album. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's a great choice. When I think of that set and my anticipation for that set, obviously my mind goes to Symphony of Enchanted Lands and Legendary Tales and wanting to see you know a lot of that older material. I did not spend that much time with this album. I listened to it a number of times, but I don't, for some reason, I don't remember it that well. So I, it's definitely good to go back and certainly timely. So excellent choice. I, I look forward to it. It's, it's, I remember thinking it was good, but I don't remember it didn't, it didn't, it didn't stay with me like those early Rhapsody albums. Let's, let's, let's yeah, just say well, that. So. I feel, I feel as if Luca, when he started Luca Torelli's Rhapsody, was moving away from the um, the medieval kind of storytelling that was, you know, that I think that Rhapsody of Fire is continuing with, but I think that he's kind of gone in more of a, a modern direction. Um, and so I think that this, if you consider this the third uh, Luca Torelli's Rhapsody album, just happens to have Fabio Leone on vocals rather than Alessandro Conti, um, I think it's definitely the most modern sounding. So I, I feel like it didn't grab me right away, but there were songs on it. I know there was one song I forgot, which I think it was DNA with Elise from Amaranthu and guest vocals, which I thought um, was a great dichotomy with Fabio's vocals. Um, so yeah, this was something that's kind of been on my mind as we get closer to, to prog power. Um, I thought, you know, it'd be cool to, to spend some time talking about the two headliners for uh, the Friday and Saturday night um, shows. And I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe I'll pick a Stradivarius album too, but before the, nice. before June, just to hit those, those big three headliners. But, um, and, and you know, I'm kind of natural segue here. Uh, something that I had meant to, to mention last week and that, I, that we posted on, um, on our social media, but speaking of Rhapsody, um, this great cover of uh, land of immortals by um, Kristen Starkey, who's an opera style vocalist, um, her and guitarist Bradley Hall did this really, really cool uh, cover of Rhapsody's land of immortals, which is like one of my all time favorite songs to hear it in like this totally different style. I, I had to share it. So um, I, for, I forgot, I kept forgetting to mention it, but since we were talking about Rhapsody anyway, I thought I would squeeze that in there. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I'm, that was really I'm excited well done. to see them. Um, I'm, I can't remember if I've ever seen Luca and Fabio on stage together, honestly, because when I saw the first time I saw Rhapsody of Fire, Luca was um, no longer in the band. And the first time I saw Luca Turley's Rhapsody was when it was Luca Turley's Rhapsody and Fabio hadn't joined yet. So, um, so that'll be really cool. I'm I'm excited, and Rhapsody is just one of those bands I've been saying. I think since we started going, like like Rhapsody's going to headline Prague Power one day, right? And and um, they did headline the Thursday night show with Luca Turilli's Rhapsody. Um, so I guess this will really be the second Rhapsody headline set. Um, and they got a tough act to follow because that was an insane, insane set. I. I enjoyed that a lot. That I and I was with you and I know you enjoyed it a lot too. Yeah, that was um that was an epic set and I felt like if memory serves, I think that might have been like two or two and a half hours. Like they were playing forever or so it felt like, but it was one great song after the other. I, I really enjoyed that. So um 
big big shoes to big shoes to fill and, and and a big act to follow. But looking forward to it. So it's, it's basically this. It's basically the same lineup, really, because um, that was uh, Luca Turilli's Rhapsody's lineup then. Just True. um, you know, insert Fabio Leone, which is never a bad thing. So um, good point. Should be yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and, and I'm kind of glad that we can kind of dig into this this newest album a bit more than we did when it first came out. I like it. Nice, nice. Um, sounds good. Looking forward to it. Uh, thanks to everyone who's reached out. Keep the requests coming. We've got a list. We will get to them. I promise you. It just may take a little time, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, and uh, I look forward to discussing Rhapsody with you next week. So uh, enjoy the week, and I will talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Take care.